All right, good morning. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, if you are joining online or you're in the room with us, we're really uh, glad to have you today. And you picked a really good Sunday to attend. This may be your first time to attend this church. Uh, it may be your hundredth time to attend this church. But either way, you picked a good Sunday to be here because we're kicking off a new series today called The Story. And I'll explain in the message, and especially at the end of the message, kind of how you can engage with that series. But uh, it's going to be a really, really good thing for us as a church, and I'm really looking forward to it. But first, before we get there, if you're online, uh, it's not too late to share this stream. If you didn't do it at the beginning because you signed in late and missed Ebony's encouragement, uh, I want to encourage you to do it now. So uh, folks may miss the worship, but they'll be able to join in on the message and they can watch the worship on recording uh, after the message. And so they can just flip it around a little bit. And it's not too late to fill out a communication card. So if you're in the room with us, they're on the seat back in front of you. You can grab one of those. And as I'm preaching today, just fill that out. Uh, there's a place on the back for prayer request. Uh, if you are online, it, it should be pinned to the comment section. So you just look in the comment section. If you're on Facebook or YouTube, you should be able to find the, the online version of that communication card. Or you can go to murrayhills.com forward slash connect. And that's how you can fill that out. So today we start the story. This is a 14-week journey that we're going to take together. And at the end of these 14 weeks, you will be able to say that you have read the entire Bible from Genesis to the Revelation. By the time we get to November 22nd, you can say you've read the entire Bible. And that sounds daunting. I know when you, when you hear that, you think, there's, I mean, doesn't that take a year? <laughs> Isn't there like the one-year Bible? That takes a long time to read the entire Bible. How are we going to do it in 14 weeks? Well, it's not as bad as it sounds, and it's not as daunting as it sounds. We're going to be using uh, kind of a, a special kind of Bible called the story. And uh, the story is, it says a foreword by Max Licato and Randy Frazee, but they didn't write this. They wrote the foreword. They didn't write this. This book actually contains the text of the New International Version of the Bible. So it's a little bit different kind of Bible. It's in chronological order. Uh, there's no book references. There's no verse references. And it's meant to read like a novel. So it contains the, the, the story of the Bible minus the list of hard-to-pronounce name and the, you know, the, the list of all the instructions of how to build the tabernacle and the list of all the kosher laws and basically all the stuff that tends to trip us up whenever we try to read the Bible. So this one's intended to read just like a novel. And um, any time all the text comes straight out of the NIV, any time you see italics as you're reading, that's where the authors tried to... Or the authors, see? It's hard. That's where the editors tried to summarize a particular story or a particular section of the Bible to get you from one story to the next. So um, I think you're going to find this really encouraging, and I think you're going to find it really helpful as we go through this uh, study together. Now, it's based on um, this premise right here. I, I showed a video last week that was a little promo for it, and it was basically a bunch of pastors being interviewed about how the story had impacted uh, their particular congregations. And it began with this quote right here. The biggest problem we have in most churches today is biblical illiteracy. Anonymous senior pastor. Uh, I, I don't know why they didn't list the senior pastor's name there. I don't know if they forgot who said it. I don't know if they didn't know who said it or if they just made it up and said, you know, this sounds like something a senior pastor would say. So let's just, let's just put that in the video and give credit to a senior pastor. So when you see that quote, my guess is a lot of you agree with it. If you've been in church a long time, 
you're probably more likely to agree with that quote, especially if you, you know, kind of grew up in church. You're probably thinking, that's right. You know, that's, when I was a kid, back in my day, you know, we really studied our Bible. We knew our Bibles backwards and forwards. That's a, that's a biblical illiteracy is a big, big problem in the church today. And I would agree to a point. I, I actually only disagree with uh, one of the words in that quote, and it's the word biggest. So I would say biblical literacy is a problem. I don't think we know our Bibles as well as we used to know our Bibles. I think some of that's probably a generational thing. Some of that's probably a cultural thing. Some of that's the fact that we have more competing for our attention than ever before. I've been reading the classics during quarantine. So I've been trying to read all, you know, catch up on all these classics. And a lot of them were written in the 1800s. And every time I pick one of them up and read it, I think... Man, they had way too much time on their hands in the 1800s because they didn't have TV and Internet and all that. I mean, the books are just incredibly long. And so, like, my attention span in the 21st century, I'm having a hard time hanging with the authors. And that's, it's true. Our attention spans are shorter than ever before. You know, I'm trying to preach 15, 20 minutes now because I know online you're fighting the urge to multitask right now because your phones are chirping and if you're on the computer, you're getting notifications. I mean, it's... It's a challenge, and that does affect biblical literacy because it's hard to say, I'm going to make time to sit down and read this book, and goodness, it's, it's so, there's so much information there, and how am I going to stay focused for such a long time? But I'm not sure it's the biggest problem. I think there's a couple other problems in the church today that might be a little bit bigger. One of them, I would say, is a biblical confusion problem because... We have more access to information about the Bible than at any time in human history. Think about that. I mean, like, like if you used to, if you had a question about the Bible, uh, you had to call your preacher or you had to, to write a letter to your preacher. We'll go back really far here. But I mean, you had, like, if you had a question about the Bible, you had to find somebody that really knew the Bible so that you could get an answer to that question. You don't have to do that anymore. What do you do? You just Google it. I mean, you can Google any, any question you've got about the Bible, anything you read and you think, that's weird, that's confusing. You just Google it, and there's countless articles, countless posts out there about the Bible. And so you'd say, why would you have a biblical illiteracy problem at a time when there's more information about the Bible than ever before? It's because that's created a biblical confusion problem. Because with the plethora of information that's out there, there's a lot of wacky stuff out there there's a lot of weird stuff online and so you read that and go i don't know what i believe about this you know there's people there's all kind of stuff out there so it's confusing and i think one of the things that will happen as we go through the story especially if you engage in the videos and i'll explain those at the end i think you'll get a lot more clarity about what the bible is really about and what it's saying because it's not meant to be a confusing message there is some stuff that's confusing in there partly because we live so far removed from it but it's not meant to be a confusing message, and it's not, and you'll see that as we go through it. But the other problem that I see in churches today is an application problem, and this is not a generational thing. Like, I grew up at a time when we studied the Bible all the time. So when I grew up in church, we had at least four Bible studies a week, at least. We had Bible class on Sunday morning, and then right after that, we had a sermon. If you can count that as Bible study, we had a sermon. And then six hours later, we had another sermon. So we actually had two sermons on Sunday plus Bible class. And then we had on Wednesday night, midweek Bible study. And then there was like a 
a men's Bible study on Tuesday morning or a women's Bible study on Thursday mornings. And, and like we drilled into the facts. Like I, I grew up in the days of flashcards. Like that's what we did for Bible class. We had flashcards and we were trying to memorize. And we did Bible baseball, which was like this quiz game. that You had to get all the facts. You know, how many commandments were there? How many apostles were there? You know, all this kind of stuff. We drilled into the most obscure facts you could possibly drill into. And it was like we did fill-in-the-blank Bible studies. A lot of you guys, if you grew up in church, maybe you remember some of this. But, I mean, we, we knew, we, we drilled into all of this information. We had all of this knowledge about the Bible. But the problem was knowing something about the Bible doesn't necessarily equate to doing something with it. Okay, biblical knowledge doesn't automatically equal spiritual maturity. And I think the denomination I grew up in made that mistake in assuming that if you just knew the Bible, then you would be spiritually mature. But all of us knew, and maybe we were this person, we knew people who knew a ton about the Bible. They could quote book, chapter, verse. They knew all the facts. They knew everything there was. They were biblical scholars, but they didn't live like biblical people. And that's an application problem. Uh, Just because you know it doesn't mean you're going to live it. And I think that's the biggest problem in the church today, is actually living what we know. And, and that's what I hope you accomplish, or I hope you get out of this study, is I, I don't, I don't want to do this study. I, we do this study, you're going to know more about the Bible. You will. I mean, if you spend 14 weeks reading the Bible and engaging in small groups and engaging in these videos and all this kind of stuff, you're going to know more about the Bible. But my goal is not that you know more, but that you do more. That's the goal of this study. The goal is that, that we would become Bible people. We would, we would become the people. You know, the Bible's intended to tell us the story of God, how much he loves us, and then it's meant to show us that love through the person of Jesus Christ. And so the more we read the Bible, the more Christ-like we should become. The more we read the Bible, the more kind we should become, the more loving we should become, the more graceful we should become, the more humble we should become, uh, the less selfish we should become, the less prideful we should become. I mean, all of those things should happen when we read the Bible. And if it doesn't, if the reverse happens, then we're reading it wrong. <laughs> you know? I mean, if we read the Bible and become more self-righteous, we're reading it wrong. If we read the Bible and become more prideful in all the things we know about the Bible and all these people today, you know, we're reading it wrong. And so the, the goal is that we would become more like Christ in our reading because that's the reason that the Bible was given to us. I want to show you one verse today. It's one that you may be familiar with. It may be the first time that you've ever seen it before. It's from 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 14. And 2 Timothy is a letter that was written to a younger Christian. So it's the Apostle Paul writing to a younger Christian by the name of Timothy. And he's encouraging him on how to grow in your faith. And basically what Paul says, if you want to grow in your faith, spend time in your Bible. Here's the way he put it. We'll read this in all, and then I want to highlight a couple of different parts of it he says but as for you speaking directly to timothy continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from who you learned it and how from infancy you've known the holy scriptures which were able to make you wise for salvation through faith in christ jesus all scripture is god breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of god may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, Paul says a lot right there. And I just want to highlight a few of the things that he says. The first one there is that it's able. He's talking about the scriptures. 
And when Paul talks about the scriptures, he's primarily talking about what we call the Hebrew scriptures or the Old Testament because that's all they had at the time. The, the New Testament the, were being, was being formed at this time. So Paul says the scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through Christ Jesus. First thing I want you to know is that the, the Bible, the entire Bible, is about Jesus. That is the focal point of the entire Bible. Even the Hebrew scriptures. You're like, even the stuff about Moses? Yes, because Jesus is the greater Moses. Even the stuff about Noah? Yeah, because that's used as you know, kind of an analogy or metaphor for salvation that happens. You know, baptism is compared to the water of Noah. I mean, not everything you read from Adam all the way to the new garden in Revelation, everything is about Jesus. He is the focal point of all of Scripture. The Old Testament is anticipating and looking forward towards Jesus. It's prophesying towards Jesus. And then the Gospels tell the story of Jesus, and then the church is telling what happens after the followers of Jesus took that message and started spreading it throughout the world. So we're going to look at it in, in five big movements. Okay, The story of the garden, which we'll cover next week. The story of Israel, which we'll spend seven or eight weeks uh, covering the story of the church i'm mean, excuse me the story of jesus the story of the church and then the story of the new garden or the new creation at the end of revelation but in every one of those movements jesus is the focal point the bible was written to reveal to us who jesus is just how much god loves us and and who jesus is so that's going to be our emphasis as we go through this study second thing there that i would highlight is that all scripture is god breathed that means it's God-inspired. It doesn't mean that God, you know, like dropped the King James Version out of heaven and, you know, it landed in somebody's lap and they're like, oh, okay, God, you know, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that God dictated every single word. So it's not a situation where Paul's got his pen and God's saying, you know, dictate in every comma and period and make sure you put this here and this here and this here. It just means that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. We believe that the, that the Bible is authoritative because the authors were inspired by God to write the things that they write, that they are revealing the thoughts in the heart of God. But God didn't reveal his, his word through dictation. He revealed it through 40 different authors who wrote 66 different books in three different languages across three different continents written over a time span of 1,600 years in five different literary genres. Which is amazing if you think about it. So the Bible is not really a single book. We're going to read it in that way for this series. But the Bible is a collection of books. It's like a library of books. So there's 66 books written by all of these different authors from all of these different time periods from different languages and, and, and across all of the. I mean, it's, it's incredible to think that all of those people would write something that comes together as one coherent story. And the reason it comes together a coherent story is because it's all about Jesus and because God inspired it. God inspired the right. So when you read the words of the Bible, you're not just reading what Paul thinks. You're not just reading what Peter thinks. You're not just reading what Moses thinks. You're reading what God thinks. You're reading the inspiration so of God there. So it's God breathed. The next thing that I would highlight is this one. And I really like this one. It's useful. The Bible is useful. It's, it's not just a book of inspirational sayings. It's not a self-help book. It's not, um, you know, just a history book. Hey, you can learn about the history of the Israel, you know, that kind of thing. It's not just that. The Bible is a useful book. It's intended to be practical. And what's it useful for? Well, he mentions it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training for righteousness. 
Those are things that the Bible's useful for. And I like the way Rick Warren breaks this down. He says, teaching is where the Bible shows you which path to take. Rebuking is when you get off of that path and end up in the ditch, and the Bible says, hey, get out of the ditch. Correcting is when the Bible says, let me show you how to get out of the ditch and get back on the right path again. And training for righteousness is where the Bible says, okay, here's how you stay on the path. If you'll keep doing these things, then you'll stay on the path. And you th- I mean, every single one of us need that, right? There are times in our lives that we need to know which path do I take. We come to the fork in the road, which path do I take? The Bible can give us guidance there. There's times in our life that we know the right path to take, but we get off it. And sometimes it has to be pointed out to us. So God can use his word to convict us of sin, to say, nope, that is the wrong direction. You are, going, you are in the ditch. You may not realize you're in the ditch right now, but everybody else does, and God does. So you've got to get out of the ditch and get back on the right path. There are times that we need help. How do I do that? What is it? I don't even know how to do that. Or how do I stay on the right path? So the Bible can help us in all of those ways because it's a useful book. And that's because the reason the Bible was given to us is not to inspire us, although you will be inspired when you read the Bible, not to motivate us, although you will be motivated. It was given for one reason right here. Paul says it. So that you would be equipped for every good work. This ties into that practical nature of the Bible. The Bible's given to equip us for good works. Not so that we would become more knowledgeable. No, knowledge, I'm not, not trying to rip on knowledge here, although I have in the back of my mind, the same guy that wrote this said, knowledge puffs up and love builds up. Like it's one thing to have knowledge, it's another thing to put that knowledge to use and be more loving. Um, James said that do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, do what it says. And so Paul's kind of echoing this here. He's saying, you know, the, the, the reason you have the scriptures is so that the servant of God, which is you and I, might be equipped to do good works. D.L. Moody, the famous evangelist, said, the Bible wasn't meant to increase your knowledge. The Bible was meant to change your life and to change the life of those around you. So that when you go wherever you are called to minister, whether that's in a school whether that's in a workplace, whether that's on a ball field, uh, whether that's in a family, wherever you're called to minister, so that the more time you spend in God's Word, the more Christ-like you become and the more equipped you become to live out the principles that you read about in the Bible. So that, that's where we're going with this. That's what I hope you see over the next uh, 14 weeks as we participate in this journey together. I hope that it equips us to do more ministry. That's why I say this could be kind of a life-changing series for the church. Not because this, a series that I preach is life-changing, but because the Word of God is life-changing. And when we spend time in the Word of God, it changes our lives and the lives of people around us. So let me pray for us. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end the message there, and then i got some stuff to talk about how you can participate in the series, and I'm going to lay out how the whole series works. But let me pray. Uh, so join me with that. Father, I, do, I am thankful for your word. Uh, I am thankful that it has been preserved down through these years, that generation after generation your word is preserved, and, and we live in this incredible age now where there's, it, there's easy access to it. Every one of us have access to your word. That hasn't always been the case throughout human history. One time it was very difficult to get. It was protected by the church. Uh, At one time they didn't have printing presses. And now we not only have printing presses, but we've got an electronic means and apps. And, you know, we we can Google Bible and see all of your word on the screen. And so I'm thankful for that opportunity we have 
But God, help us not to um, take for granted that or, or to take advantage of that. Like help, help us to really spend time in your word and to take advantage of the opportunities that have been given to us. So uh, I pray for our church as we go through this study uh, over this fall. I pray that we would, we would engage in it, but that we would also persevere because there, it you know, sounds great right now, but we know that six, seven weeks in, it's, maybe it'll feel like a chore sometimes or maybe we'll get distracted. And So I pray you just kind of help us to finish this task, to, to, to stay focused on the things we need to stay focused on. And it's through the name of your son, Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. All right, so we're going we're gonna to multitask for just a moment. Uh, we're going we're gonna to do the offering because we haven't done that yet. So 